In just a few seconds, we're going to share another amazing leader with you. But before we get started, I want to invite you to join the Sensei Leader Movement. I founded this global community to support and develop human-centric leaders, leaders who care, leaders like you. Our first level membership is free and always will be. You'll have access to online workshops, special members-only events, preferred rates on coaching, and a lot more. And if you join today, you'll get free downloads of all three books in my Eight Strategies for Leaders series. You know, the best leaders always want to improve, and we're here to help. Go to slmjoinfree.com and join the movement today. I wish I'd never said we're going to have an amazing guest when I recorded that open. I'm going to have to redo that thing because that's the only kind we have here on Walking the Walk. And today is no exception. Mark Redless is the CEO of Tritium. His company provides a platform that helps behavioral health care professionals understand and connect more deeply with the people they serve. We'll be back in just a second with Mark Redless. People who inspire, empower, and guide us to our very best. Leaders who are walking the walk. Your host, leadership activist, author, and founder of the Sensei Leader Movement, Jim Bouchard. All right, you know, he said it's just a real honor to have Mark Redless with us today. Uh, he's the CEO of Tritium, and boy, lots to talk about today, Mark. What yes. A what a f rapidly changing world we're living in. Yes, the world we, we woke up to uh, on Monday is a vastly different world than the world we even went to sleep with on Friday. So right. from work perspective, yes, that's for sure. And I think it's going to be different in an hour, too. So we, <laughs> we And the gotta, hour after that. We're going to roll with it. Huh? hours after that, for sure. Yeah. There you go. Yep. But I'm yep. sure we'll dig into some of those challenges for people that are listening in a timely fashion. But let's make sure we, we hit, the, hit the core of what we were here to talk about today. Can you tell us a little bit more about you know, exactly what behavioral health is for people who might not understand or who confuse it with mental health issues and, and exactly what your role is there. Yeah, so, uh, well, behavioral health, at least as we define it, uh, obviously is a person's ability to, to function uh, in their everyday life, you know, right. and, and, and so the, the kind of the bigger macro drivers um, that are weighing against that are things that you would expect um, kind of, what many are perceived as external factors, but oftentimes are are driven by our own kind of uh, uh, kind of unworked feelings or or you know things that have gone undiscussed uh, and just have bubbled up inside of us. But um, we deal across the spectrum in predominantly two two areas, two two pieces. Um, there's lots of other aspects to it, but uh, mental health and addiction related or substance use related. Uh, issues uh, kind of fall under the purview of of uh, of what Tritium works on, and within the mental health silo, probably shouldn't even call it a silo, but mental health, um, you have things like depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, you know those types of of areas, and then how those three things could be comorbid with one another, and they tend to manifest in things like severe chronic depression, suicidal ideation things like harm to others or harm to self. Um, those are the types of things that, you know, we're encountering uh, with our products in support of, uh, you know, clinicians and patients working with one another. And that's on the, the mental health side. On the, on the substance use side, obviously, you know, really runs the gamut from illegal use of prescription meds to illegal or illicit drugs uh, and, and, you know, everything in between. Um, Certainly, the opioid crisis in the U.S. Uh, has really kind of 
kind of manifest itself and that becomes kind of a, a persistent thread through a lot of what we work with in those areas. So, um, and, and, and those things have a uh, compounding effect when any of the things I just mentioned go wrong uh, or start to trend downwards for a person. Uh, and they also have some type of a medical condition. Um, they don't have to have a medical condition, of course, but if they do, if they have diabetes or, or COPD or consistent heart failure or mm. are on dialysis. Um, anytime any of the other things I just mentioned before that um, have gone horribly wrong, that exacerbates that problem and it leads to a real, um, real precipitous decline and an increase in total care and obviously a decline in outcomes for that person. Um, well, and that well, you patient. just you just stacked a whole lot of cans on the table, and there's lots of worms in every one of those cans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. We could yeah. talk for months on this, right? Um, yep. And I and I do want to get back to specifically, you know, what what role tritium plays in, in this. Sure. Thing. But for before we get into that, dive into that. Um, you know, it's interesting because people who have seen me live or people who who know my work, um, I openly share, you know, how I started this whole adventure, which was as a drug addict. And uh, so it's interesting that you bring up those things. And, and I'm always, I'm, I'm not going to say surprised. I guess that's not the right word. Um, but it still always amazes me that when I'm speaking with a room full of leaders uh, that uh, so many people have shared that experience or know somebody close to them that share that experience. And I appreciate that you said, you know, because a lot of times, uh, and I think one of the confusions is people mistake treatments, uh, especially treatments that involve other drugs for people withdrawing from, from a drug experience. And yet the behavioral component is so strong. And I know it was in my life. In my life, uh, one of the things that helped, well, it saved my life was getting involved with martial arts, right? Which shaped, which shaped my career and my work now. Um, but people need that, that type of thing. And leaders, nobody's immune from this. Either. I mean, leaders struggle this. I hear it all the time. Like I said, it's, it's amazing sometimes, uh, especially the depression component can go along with these things. For sure. I, I, I mean, uh, speaking of, you know, people that are close, uh, it's no secret. We, we published, we co-published, uh, co-authored uh, a fairly significant article online, my daughter Catherine and I, um, uh, around uh, her August 2018 uh, suicide attempt. Hmm. Um, she is uh, 30 years old now, but she was, uh, she was just turning 29 at the time. And she, um, uh, you know, has a lot of incredible things going for her, but it got the things that were going on around her, those external factors, her perception was they were beyond her ability to cope. And, you know, here I am running this digital behavioral health company and, mm. you know, it's happening right there and, and um, still missing the signs or not believing the signs. Oh, no, no. I'm so, gl I'm so glad you brought that up because it, we hear that a lot. And particularly when I'm talking with people who uh, have had an experience close to them, right? And, and all I can do for comfort is say, look, you know, I was there too. I, and I had episodes yeah. in my life where I was suicidal. And even with the drug thing, I mean, the people I was doing drugs with, they, they obviously knew, <laughs> you know what I mean? But most people wouldn't have guessed it in a million years. And when I say it now, they, you know, and, I, and that, that's an interesting thing. And you have that that uh, experience, maybe you can share a little bit more about that. I just tell people, look, you can't feel guilty. First of all, you couldn't have helped me because I didn't want help at the time. And That's the right. second, and the second thing is, I wouldn't have expected you to see the signs. Uh, sometimes as addicts, we get really good at hiding those things. We get good at hiding our depression. We get good at hiding the you know the the telltale signs, right? Yeah, I mean. Uh, you know, the things that led up to it, I think are less interesting than the things that have come out of it. Um, mm -hmm. 
And, you know, we write about that in the article. In fact, we're recording a podcast uh, interview in a week, um, kind of as a sequel to the article where Catherine's going to take, you know, kind of a live interview. And uh, oh, please, she's really... Please share, please share those links with us. We'll get those. Oh, 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 we will, for sure. And she, she's really active in her mental health pursuits around artists. She's a She's an actual performance uh, harp harpist mm-hmm. and um, uh, has an album out on iTunes and, you know, just terrific, uh, terrific talent. And she, and one of the things that we talk about is coming out of this, obviously, after you get through the, the acuity of the situation and the immediacy of it, mm. you know, our lives together have changed profoundly in how much we talk now. And I don't mean like frequency, but in what, what we talk about right, when we right, talk to right. one another is much more straight speaking, straight talking, um, real rich conversation. It doesn't feel like anything like that's going to sneak up on either one of us. Um, not that it couldn't, but, um, we're just, we're just really more curious about the why or what behind, you know, the, the statements being made to one another. And, Mm -hmm. um, I I think listening to one another better is that hopefully no one has to go through, what Catherine went through yeah, right. and, what, and what we watched her go through. But, um, but if the other side of it is our lives are, are changed that tr- drastically to the good, you know, for decades and decades to come and, and, and she's the better for it, you know, there, there's a learning there. So, and I think that that's, that thematically, by the way, not to make a big transition to tritium, but that thematically transitions really well to what tritium does. No, please um, do go that way. And, yes. Yeah. yeah and, and how it supports um, kind of the mental health care, um, you know, delivery here in the U S certainly at this point and what we're doing. So, so, you know, stepping back, and I, I promise I'll come back to the thread, but let me just give you some no, no, context. No, 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 no. P- please. No, this is a perfect segue. Uh, don't apologize at all. And uh, I do have some more questions for you, but this, this, is, this is critically important because people need these resources. You know what I mean? I yeah. wish there were more resources like this. When I was going through it, I was fortunate enough to fall into, you know, a couple of friends that, that had, had some experience. But uh, no, this, this is what people need to hear. And the only thing I'll say to preface it is this. Nobody's immune. You know what I mean? This this uh, show is aimed, you know, mostly for for leaders at all levels, but a lot of people that are in uh, you know positions of authority uh, and are responsible for others listen to this. And the thing, you know, the important message I'd say is nobody's immune. You know what I mean? And sometimes yeah. when you're in the throes, especially like I said at this at the time we're recording this for people who are listening, uh, we're in the thrust of the coronavirus uh, uh, situation. And, you know, people are busy. Leaders, are they're moving, you know, like Fred Flintstone's little feet, just moving like crazy. And they may still be going through these things. And yet nobody's going to notice because they're depending on them for leadership. They're doing a pretty good job outwardly looking calm and collected. Um, But inside, there may be some really huge issues. So, yeah, let's hear more about Tritium and and what you offer to help people through these things. Yeah, so... So we, um, you could think of us, you know, on a on a broader scale as as behavioral health operating system. So mm-hmm. I think that that's the best way to start this conversation about tritium. Um, we are this very immersive, clinically immersive platform, software platform that supports at its most base um, um, incarnation the interactions between patients and providers and everything in between. Um, and, and so um, we, we actually sit as a, as a piece of software, as a platform, um, 
uh, in an immersive setting throughout health systems that employ or contract with um, behavioral health providers. And those providers can range from uh, licensed clinical therapists to social work to psychologists to psychiatrists, all kind of supporting that total continuum, um, again, of mental health or substance use related uh, care. And um, the journey for the patient on tritium starts either 24 hours or just before um, they walk into their appointment um, with whomever they're seeing. Again, this could be a prescription-related appointment with a psychiatrist, or it could be a therapy-related appointment with any of the folks that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But um, they, they actually complete an assessment, and that assessment is either done through a secure link uh, in their web browser um, or on an iPad um, right before they walk in for their exam. And, and so when they do this assessment, they complete something that takes about three to five minutes to generate a set of scores around the things that I talked about at the top of this interview, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, indications of suicidal ideation, indication of harm to others, um, any drug-related issues, any um, alcohol-related issues, and then overall functioning, things like, you know, um, how do I just generally feel today? Am I able to do the things that I want to do? Those questions are all incorporated into this, into this assessment. And all of that surfaces real time, right to the desktop or the, or, the, or the tablet of the clinician that's going to work with that patient. And I mean like in five seconds it surfaces to them wow. and, into the, in, and into the patient record. And it creates a visualized tapestry um, for that clinician of, of in fact, how that clinician should prioritize their time uh, with, the, with that particular patient. And, and so the orientation of Tritium and our product is all around outcomes to start. It's how do we increase, improve outcomes for patients? How do people get to a managed state of wherever they are in their, with their depressive condition, their anxiety condition? How do we get them to a point where they're doing well on a regulated managed basis as opposed to the acuity or the, the high severity that they're probably encountering right now in their world? And, and so... Tritium serves as a really valuable secondary clinical digital intervention that, that is paired, when paired with a provider, um, creates this transparency and engagement um, for, between the patient and the provider. The, the provider literally flips their screen or their tablet around and shows them that tapestry that I just talked about right to the patient. So the patient is fully engaged in what they've presented because they have no idea what they've presented. They just answered a bunch of questions. Right. And then there's this check-in period over a course of five minutes at the front end of their first or subsequent sessions. It says, does this look right to you? Does this sound right? Does this feel right to you? And there's we, we, there's the uh, thing. You know what? We're going to take a short break. Um, and you, I, you I, you're going exactly where I uh, I was going to try to steer it because that's, I think, what people's concerns would be. Let's take a short break. We're going to be right back. Um, this is Mark Redless from Tritium, and we're going to talk a little bit more about his services to help providers, you know, do the best job for you in, in these behavioral therapies. We'll be right back. Tritium gives healthcare providers an incredible tool to connect more deeply and understand their patients' needs. A digital behavioral health company dedicated to advancing behavioral medical integration. Tritium delivers capabilities designed to identify those who need behavioral help, speed their access to care, and deliver a measurable impact to outcomes. Led by a nationally recognized team of experts in behavioral medicine, digital health technologies, health insurance, and behavioral health clinical research, 
Tritium solutions are backed by nearly 20 years of research and findings that have been published in more than 40 peer-reviewed journals and other scientific publications. Learn more about this amazing company at tritium.com. That has two U's, T-R-I-D-I-U-U-M, tritium.com. The research is bomb-proof. People perform at their best when and only when they know their leaders care, when they know their work has meaning, and when they have the chance to learn, grow, and develop. To accomplish this, we need to connect with the people we serve, the people who trust in our leadership. Leaders today need emotional intelligence, strong interpersonal skills, and an accurate sense of self-awareness. I'm Jim Bouchard, leadership activist and founder of the Sensei Leader Movement. The Sensei enjoys a very special relationship with students. It's one built on respect, trust, and loyalty. And these are also a leader's most valuable assets. I help you build these relationships. I work with you to help you inspire, empower, and guide your people to their very best. That's what the best leaders do. And that's what the Sensei does. My job is to help you be the Sensei so you can lead your people to their very best and yours. Executive coaching, workshops, corporate training. Visit thesenseileader.com or call 207-751-4317 today to learn more. All right, Mark, you know, before the break, you you said a couple of really interesting things because as you were talking, I was thinking about a couple of concerns that, you know, the, the, the patient might have, the consumer might have, and you already went a long way toward answering one of them because, uh, you know, it's the same thing when we're dealing, you know, with leadership assessments and, and behavior in the workplace where, um, yeah, I, I guess I kind of preach against them a lot. Not that there isn't anything, it, not that there's anything bad necessarily about assessments. What my worry is, is that it stops there. And we notice that in management, a lot of people will look at these assessments, behavioral assessments based on performance and whatnot. They'll pigeonhole somebody. They let the assessment. I say the assessment should be the beginning, not the end of the conversation. And it sounds like that's what you're, you're talking about here, right? You're giving the, the provider the tools to, to know that patient a little better. And I like the fact that you, you really started talking before the break about, um, you know, that's where the, the clinician can start asking some questions, right? And one of the most important ones is, do you think this match? Am I, am I seeing this the right way? Am I way off base or is that basically what you're, what you're talking no, about? No, yeah, you, I, you got it very well. Yeah, it's really okay. calibrating the approach. That's, that's what, that's, and that's the whole basis for um, the, the clinical approach that our products support, which is mm-hmm. this thing called feedback-informed care, which, you know, to your audience out there and to folks out there that are thinking about or looking at this, you really want to know that, um, that you're the person you're working with, if you are seeing somebody is, is practicing, you know, through that lens of, of, am I taking the feedback of the patient into yeah, account yeah. as, as I, me, right? I mean, right. As, yeah. as I work my approach on mm-hmm. how to do that. And by the way, the feedback changes over time. People feel worse or better or mm. bonded to their therapist or their clinician. Um, and, and so it's a dynamic evolving relationship. It's not a, I'm going to approach depression with this patient the way I approached it the last 10 times with my other 10. Now, this person is a unique person. Let's, let's get, let's give back what, what they are. Let's take what the patient is giving us and work from there. And, and, and does, so your our, platform our move, does your platform move with them? In other words, as they're going through a therapy or going through a relationship with, with a clinician that uh, there's more points of contact. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, so um, okay. the product is actually assessing the patient at every, uh, at least every week in oh, many cases, um, uh, no less than every two weeks. So typically through an episode of care, a traditional episode of care, 
of a patient clinician relationship, we'll, we'll capture three to five kind of points in time mm. of, uh, of data, which allows for trending and, and predicting and guiding uh, that patient along and that provider along. And of course, the other big alarm bell everybody worries about right now is privacy. You know, we hear every day that, uh, you know, one of these super secure systems, especially, and we we do a lot of work with healthcare folks, and and I know that's one of their concerns too, you know, how to protect that. Um, So can you talk a little bit about that and how how your company approaches that? Boy, yes, we we are one heck of a a lockdown entity. So Uh um, we have a cloud-based infrastructure um, that is a HIPAA compliant, uh, multi-certification, secured environment. Um, uh, everything is U.S. on-prem base, based. Um, we um, any which, integration which means, to, which means to people like me, they just can't get in, right? Because it, it's one thing when we're talking. I don't care if some somebody hacks into my, uh, you know, general practitioner and finds out that I take medicine for irritable bowel syndrome. You know what I mean? That, I, could, I could care less, really. But if I'm dealing with something like addiction, or especially from leadership position, sure. you don't want people, God, you don't want people outside to in. know that. You want to control that news, you know? Well, and, and things like, I mean, Americans probably don't even know this, but if you're dealing with HIPAA compliant data and you're hosting mm-hmm. in any of the cloud infrastructures, which do host everybody's healthcare data right now, a lot of people don't know that, mm-hmm. you have... You, the, the infrastructure partner you're working with that secures and locks it down has to keep that data inside of U.S. borders, which sounds like obvious, but, but many are using disaster recovery and letting data flow across borders if you don't have those requirements. So there are a lot of hoops to jump through to protect patient data, American patient data, and, and, and obviously we do that. There's, there's financial level security grade encryption um, around around data that's flowing between iPads and other systems into our system. Once it gets to our system, same levels of encryption and firewalls around that. So, um, yeah, I mean, we are locked down very much like a health system would be locked down and all of the data in motion is encrypted as well. Just like you would, if you were trying to conduct a financial transaction, we are doing the same thing. You know, that, that's a, I want to turn the conversation just a little bit because all this is fascinating. I could ask you about this all day long, but um, also, you know, again, as we're recording, we're going through this coronavirus challenge and one of the great shifts, which I think is going to be evergreen, we're not going to see a total pendulum swing back, you know, and one of the things that we've been talking about a lot over the last few days is a sudden need for remote learning. And I noticed in in Mm -hmm. your bio that a lot of your team works remotely. So you've, as a leader yourself, you've already addressed this challenge. Um, What advice do you have for people that are all of a sudden making this shift? I mean, we're literally hearing companies tell us that, you know, they're taking a thousand people out of the office and and sending them home with laptops. I mean, that's, that's a big shift. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked this. You're, you're giving me good practice for, I have a noontime call with, (laughs) with, with 12 CEOs from around the country that are private, private equity or venture capital based. Um, to talk about best, yeah. best practices on, on remote, and uh, I'm sure I'll be contributing to this. So, um, you know, a couple of really quick things that probably will play out even after this. So if people are hearing this, you know, well after the coronavirus is concluded, this is really probably pretty helpful. Um, so, you know, persistent and scheduled conversations with staff and broader team is really important. So we've actually scheduled an every other day video chat um, short burst, if you will, uh, for me to share with the entire company and staff, wherever they are in the country. 
Um, we, we incorporate things like Zoom. Um, so Zoom is a daily part of our lives anyway, because we're, we're spread out across the country quite a bit, even though we have our, our headquarters in Philadelphia. He's I better um, put an affiliate link up quick. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, exactly. Sorry, but uh, but well, we probably have to put another one in a second. But you know, the technologies <laughs> that we're that we're using, I think, again, being sh- we will be sharing uh, today on this best practices call, um, are are developing really good practices for how you communicate in real time and simulating mm-hmm. this kind of in office environment. So. Um, I'll be fair to everybody, whether you're using something like Microsoft Teams or Slack, which, you know, I think are the, are the two leading uh, platforms out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we use one of them. Um, so the, 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 those products um, allow us to kind of continue a flow. And we actually have flex work on Fridays anyway, where a lot of our practices were kind of hardened and used. So this is just kind of a natural flip for a lot of people to, to move to this and, and, and conduct business this way. I mean, our infrastructure, again, is hosted in the cloud uh, into a secure private cloud. So mm. we, we don't have any, uh, to us, it was more like, okay, you know, we're going to enact the Friday you know, the Friday program uh, starting on Monday and that will go for the end of the month and then we'll take the things as we go. Uh, I will have a regular 15-minute call that will include 15 minutes of chatter to follow for folks that want to ask questions and talk with one another in a broad-based scenario. We do that at 3 o'clock on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays during this time. So I think giving folks a schedule and allowing people to feel confident that they can rely on anything at this point is really helpful. Um, so, you know, managing expectations and setting expectations and then fulfilling them, I think are basic tenets oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of really good behavioral health. We're doing right. that at a company right. level. So, no, you're hitting so many good points. And one of the, you know, because one of the concerns, one of the challenges, you know, uh, since I, you know, really went full time with the Sensei Leader, uh, I have been working from home. And that was after years of you know, being in the martial arts and having a place to go to every day. And some of the adjustments that I've made, some of the things people are concerned about, first of all, there's this free time, you know, and there's, people don't realize, even just the drive, you know, replacing that drive back and forth to work opens up a lot of time. You never even realized you had till you have it. And, you know, we, we keep encouraging people to fill that time. I talk about productive distractions, right? I mean, people, when they see me on video, they see piles of books behind me. And I said, well, that's part of my productive distraction. Sure. You know, I have some downtime. I can reach over. I can grab a book. I can, uh, you know, catch up on some things. Uh, webinars, obviously, we're, we're doing that ourselves, gearing up a lot of webinars right now for people because, hey, you can pop what great access we have to these things. But having said all that, um, I'm one of the, I'm an evangelist about this. I said, you know, these things are great. They're great tools. It's so cool. We can stay connected to a degree, but to me, nothing replaces that in-person face-to-face contact. Um, is, is that yeah. something you've do? do you have once in a while where you get people in the room or once a year? Yeah. And I know frequency has been a discussion and I said, oh, no, it's not so much frequency, it's quality, right? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question and, um, ha- happy to answer it. So, um, I, I really think in the on the in the thoughtfulness camp, we've done a very good job in some of these pieces. One of the one of the things that we programmed, uh, our former chief of staff um, did a wonderful job of is creating a quarterly uh, week of wonder. And so we started it actually when we moved to Center City, Philadelphia, um, out of the suburbs, and it was just kind of a, a just a one and done. We thought idea, but then it went to this quarterly format. So um, it's wow, week of wonder. And 
Um, this is largely programmed by the staff, um, nice. although there is some leadership pieces in there. And the entire company from all around the country is brought in um, for the week, but there's about three days of content. Uh, so it's typically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, in that time, we have happy hours, of course. Uh, we do a breakfast served by the executive team to the <laughs> oh, company. Cool. I like that one. Yeah. Um, so all of that takes place. And, and mm -hmm. while we had to postpone this quarter's week of wonder because it was scheduled to happen. T tell me in, about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it'll happen in June. But, yeah. but you know, that, that whole program is something that people really look forward to. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, it was a little bit like pulling teeth. Now... Um, we have to actually require or request content submissions and program submissions uh, um, about two months beforehand. So almost on the heels of the last one, you know, who wants to speak in the next one and what, what's yeah. your content and rate that because there's just so many competing um, pieces that people people want to put out. So oh, I love that. I love that. You know, when you mentioned that to us, that fits. Per we're singing in perfect harmony. We call it you know leadership at all levels. That people, you know, on the front lines are the ones that are creating and proposing the the content. And and I hear you exactly. You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I mean, we're we're really blessed. I always feel you know I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but we get very high marks at, at the conferences we present at. And so I always joke, I ask people, because it comes up in my presentation, I say, what's the most productive session at any conference? And I say, I like to think it's the sensei leader presentation, but I'm honest about it. It's not. It's the networking. <laughs> it's the happy hour, right? Because people yeah. can get together. They can, they can really just appreciate and be with each other. And that, that's something that we've got to be very careful not to lose. Um, you know, and I hate that they come up with these anachronisms for things. Social distancing. You know, why can't we just say, right now, we've got to stay six feet apart. Social sounds really horrible. That like, sounds it, callous it, as all hell, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not a positive. Uh, it does not have positive connotations. Not oh, that I man. think most people are worried about it. But, but uh, yeah, I think we all should be worried about it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, there, there's also, I think, you know, on the, in that leadership, you know, there's other aspects of what we do in Week of Wonder that I think you would really enjoy. Like, so, so we have, an, we have something called the watering hole. We, we, we really designed our, our new space to be supportive. And the watering hole very comfortably fits about 50 people in it. Um, it's got what my executive coach calls this disco coffee machine. Um, we've got... <laughs> We've got this, this, you know, these crazy commercial refrigerators, you know, it's in, in yeah. some ways, in those ways, we kind of look like, a, you know, a, 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 a Bay Area, Silicon Valley startup and other areas, <laughs> we obviously don't um, due to, to the work we do. But I personally go out and pick all the wine for that happy hour and procure it um, oh, every, at every quarter. And um, you know, I talk to the staff about it. I, it sounds silly, but it's, no, no, it no, actually, it actually, I wanted to, I just want to identify there's like these mm -hmm. little, it's the little things you do yes. as a leader that yes. really do make yes. a big difference. I mean, yes. Becky is excited because I thought I heard her say she likes this dry Riesling. That sounds crazy, but it's not crazy. So, oh, no, no. you know, just paying attention to what people people are talking about and asking mm -hmm. about it, it's not always you know did you hit your performance target this week did you did you roll out exactly. that site it's you, not you'll get to that. that you'll get to that no you know that's the cool thing again we're so singing in harmony because uh, i want to reinforce a point you just made inspiration 
right? It should not be something that's left for the elite. I mean, inspirational things are the smallest little acts are so inspirational. Those are the things that we carry with us, you know, for a long, long time and they mean something and it's the little personal things. But I, I was cracking up when you were talking because usually, you know, it, it, nature of my business, I'm usually pitching people say, Hey, I'll bring me to your conference, but you just pitched me. I, I, I just want to come to your conference. <laughs> so that sounds like one of the most fun meetings you could ever imagine. Hey, listen, <laughs> yes. You know, we got to wrap some things up. Um, I'd love to have you back again if you'd be willing, because there's a lot, oh, of, a lot of things. No, that... for sure. I, okay, I cool. love. I mean, obviously, I like talking clearly. So, um, <laughs> so let's do so, this. Uh, and this. I usually yeah. don't go to the talking points. You, you can tell. I mean, I like to have you know listen to you have an organic conversation. But one of the talking points your office sent over, I I really would like to to kind of finish things up with this because what they sent was, do you have a two minute elevator speech or philosophy on leadership, or how to begin your career as a leader. And I think that's an interesting question because these days too, there's so many people that are looking at that and saying, you know, what do I need to do? There's all kinds of formulas and we're here since a leader, we're not really a formula organization, you know, because leadership is such an individual experience and you have to take, you know, you have to take it all in and then you have to kind of design your own, you have to create your own leader is the way we look at it. So I'd love to hear, you know, yeah. What's your, what's your philosophy? Yeah, so um, <laughs> two minute elevator speech. We, we, um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be. Don't what, worry, no what, pressure. Can, yeah, as, as I try to uh, put. Two I mean, two mine minutes, is so. one. Mine is one sentence. I say, leadership is sharing. A leader shares. End of story. Give me the check. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. no, well, that that's a good one. I, I may steal that. But um, but you know, when 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 I look at at um, at leadership, I I don't know if I have a great one or two two sentence piece here, but. I will share with the broader, you know, listening audience out there, the book that I find myself rereading on a quarterly basis, typically through Audible because I'm in my car, right. is is the book by Ben Horowitz called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Oh, and, nice. uh-huh. and, and so if you haven't read this book, for those of you listening, this book is one of the most important and profound things I've read in the last five years. And probably will go on my permanent shelf. I've shared it with more people um, out there than, than, than any, well, see, anything else see, I talk about. You're living exactly what I just said. That's it. You're sharing it. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so I think sharing leadership is really, for me, my philosophy is being vulnerable in front of your staff mm. while giving uh, or your team or your customers, or your prospects, literally being vulnerable. Like, I don't know these things. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about these things, but not leaving them there, showing them, putting a destination in front and providing some credible, pragmatic wisdom about how we're going to get from where we are, this, this uncertain point to where we're going is really what you need to do on a daily basis. And people Amen. will not only follow you, but they will drag themselves through the sand to find you if you do that. Um, too many of us are, are too many of us are working from a point of bravado, um, of of overconfidence, and that stuff is just so transparent. People mm-hmm. see that you're full of crap, like they know it. So yeah, yeah so, they do. So and they know it when you're being authentic. So to me, leadership is authentic transparency. With, with with a well-crafted 
uh, line of sight to a destination that you can share over and over and you can't share it enough with the people around you. That's what, that's what I aspire to do. I don't know if that's what I do, but that's what I think you should (laughs) should be trying to do. That's perfect. And I'm sure, I'm sure you do, you know, old one, well, it's one of the greatest gifts I ever received from my life as a martial artist is just this little bit of philosophy, you know, perfection is not a destination. It's a never ending process, right? So, so I'm, I'm inspired by what you said. And I'm even more inspired by the fact that you just said you're, if I'm hearing you right, you know, and, and I love to hear this from leaders, you're an ongoing piece of work, right? Always. Always. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I hope I'm better than I was two weeks ago. I think, I think never let a, a good crisis go, go, go to waste. And, and this Perfect. is an opportunity to, to really elevate as leaders, not, not shrink. So let's, let's get after it. That's perfect. Couldn't say it any better. Mark, t- tell us really quickly how to get in touch with you and how, to, how people can connect with tri- uh, tri- Tritium. Yeah, Tritium. Um, <laughs> so they can visit us at Tritium, T-R-I-D-I-U-U-M dot com. Uh, new website is up, lots of content. And they can um, connect to, with us on same, same word on LinkedIn, where you can find me on LinkedIn. That seems to be where I spend almost all of my days. If I'm not in the company, that's where I am digitally. So just look me up, Mark Redless at LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, and, and you can associate with Tritium and you'll find me there. So Perfect. Mark, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jim. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Walking the Walk. Please like and share. Our mission at the Sensei Leader Movement is to support and develop human-centric leaders, leaders who put people first, leaders who inspire, empower, and guide people to their very best. Be part of the movement. Join and access all our free resources by visiting thesenseileader.com. To book Jim or host your own event, call us at 207-751-4317. 